0: Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3
1: WSC, each Saturday morning at 7:30. Successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Low Country, talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 943 WSC every Saturday morning from 7:30 to 8. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Cox, and normally I'm here with my other co-host, Leslie Haywood. However, she has not returned from her vacation, and so I am flying solo today. Uh, which we haven't done in a while. But we're excited to have you uh, join us as you do every Saturday morning to listen to our great entrepreneurs tell their stories of how they've become successful here in the Low Country. And uh, just a reminder, in case you have missed some of our shows, go to our website at coastalwm.com, and in the top right-hand corner, you will see an icon for radio. Uh, we have podcasts of all of our radio shows from the last four years listed on our website so you want to hear great stories of entrepreneurship, what a place to go, hang out and listen to them. So, uh, And in case you missed uh, last week's show, last two weeks, another phenomenal show, I wish Leslie was here to talk about it because I know she was excited about the knowledge that was shared, that we had Mr. Sunju Patel on, who's one of the co-founders and CEOs of the Monford Group here in Charleston. And uh, again, just an amazing show. A couple quick tidbits I'll give you as takeaways uh, was uh, really uh, a great story of, you know, overcoming adversity to, to become successful. And Sanju shared the fact that when he was young and just really coming uh, into the working world, he walked into a local hotel or actually it was a motel here in Charleston and basically walked up to the front, asked to speak to the manager. And he said, I want to buy your hotel. And what a great way to kick off your career, right? Unfortunately, the hotel wasn't for sale, but they hired him on as a general manager. He had no hotel experience. And lo and behold, here we are many years later, and he actually has six hotel projects going on and three restaurant concepts here in Charleston. So I think it worked out pretty well for him. And what a great journey, uh, again, uh, of success and entrepreneurship. So get a chance. Go on to the website, WM. Dot com. Click on that radio podcast section and listen to uh, Sunju's journey as it was inspiring and excellent. As hopefully we have uh, another one of those in case, or in case, you like that, uh, in store for us today. And that is Mr. Uh, Brent Case. Uh, Brent is the president at Caldwell Banker Commercial Atlantic. Uh, Brent, first of all, thanks for getting up on a Saturday morning and coming in and joining us. Sure. Happy to be here. Well, it's a, a great Saturday morning. We're looking forward to hearing your story and your journey today. Um, and as we normally do before we jump into uh, all the wonders of what's going on in, in business world, we'll go back to actually the beginning. But before we do that, Brent, if you don't mind, obviously, um, I'm assuming most people or a lot of people know what Caldwell Banker is. But give us a, a quick 30-second
0: commercial of uh, your organization here in Charleston. Well, we're a full-service commercial real estate firm. Um, we specialize in uh in commercial leasing, commercial management, commercial development. So basically, if you have a, any type of business and you need space, uh, we're the people you call.
1: Great. Well, and, and certainly we're in an amazing community at an amazing time for growth. And uh, in next week's show, we're going to dive in a lot to what's going on in Charleston's community and how your organization uh, is a part of that. So uh, we look forward to that. And uh, make sure you all put that on your schedule next Saturday morning to hear that part of it. But before we do, as our tagline says, this is a show of entrepreneurship, and it's about people you know and stories you don't. So we're going to dive into that second part of stories we might not know about Brent Case. And that is, uh, take us back to childhood. Where were you born? Uh Where did
0: you grow up? And uh, we'll walk through that for a moment. Um I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. I Come grew on. up there went to... uh Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and Catholic university. I went to the currently number three uh, I knew you in you were the country, Xavier right? University. So one of my <laughs> best friends, a matter of fact, I'm going to have lunch with him a little later today,
1: uh, is a diehard Sensi guy. So yeah. uh, you all share a passion for Xavier.
0: Yeah, unless he went to UC, and then no, he's a Xavier
1: guy as oh, well. He is he? Oh yeah, yeah, I hear
0: about it a lot this year. Yeah, so. uh, well, yeah. Now, ironically, you can you can tell him that um, the head coach, Chris Mack um and I grew up together. Okay. So Chris and I actually played uh, little league basketball. So I've got some He's pictures. a passionate fella, I can tell you oh, that. Oh, Chris is a great guy. And then, you know, so we played on the same little little league basketball teams and then we played against each other, you know, growing up. Um, you can't see me now, but I'm short. So I stopped playing <laughs> basketball and he kept going. Uh, but then he actually after high school, we went to rival high schools and then he went to uh, Evansville and transferred after his freshman year from Evansville to Xavier. And so then we became classmates at Xavier. That's pretty cool. And so, pretty cool. Uh, He's having a great year. And, yeah, uh, he is. So as a youngster in Cincy, tell us a little bit about what life was like and uh, the family dynamics. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I grew up an only child. I was raised by my mother and my aunt. My parents were high school sweethearts and divorced when I was two. And then, um, I was raised by both by my mother and my aunt and grandparents. It was a, it was a group effort to raise one child. I was, I was a handful. Um, but my dad was in town. He was a, he was a Cincinnati fireman. Um, and in in and actually was a, um, he was a, had a lot of notoriety as a fireman. And, um. If you go to the Charleston Fire Museum and you go in there, there's a there's a picture of a fireman saving a dog, a painting of a fire saving dog, and that's my father. And I donated that to the fire museum in North Charleston. So, um, so I did that. You know, again, I went to um, you know was into all all the sports, football, baseball, basketball. That's what you do when you're in Ohio on the weekends. Um, And then uh, went to an all boys Catholic school that definitely had some formation to my. My psyche, and then uh, stayed in town, and, and then went to Xavier. Um, went there. So before we dive into your college years, we always, uh, Leslie, and I joke
1: because we we tell people tell us their story, and in two seconds they go from birth to college, right? And so there's yeah. a lot that goes on in between that. So talk a little bit about um, as a youngster in school. What kind of student were you? Were you into you know, studying, or was yeah? That a challenge? I mean,
0: I was always a, and I still am this way. You know, I was always a B plus student. Um, You know, I always had a lot of activities. So, you know, even through college, I I felt like, you know, if I did, you know, and and we were on the grading, you know, when you go to Catholic school, the grading scale is 93 to 100 is an A and 85 to 93 is a B. And so I was a 90 student, 88, 90 student all the way through my education. And uh, but I was I managed to do a whole lot of activities to still stay within there. So, you know, I felt like hey, I didn't need to be perfect but um i definitely wanted to do a lot of different things and be good at a lot of different things but not be perfect at a lot of different things
1: and did you have a dream of when i grow up this is what i'm going to do
0: well yeah you know i really thought i was i really thought i was going to play football okay you know i was uh i played in a and when i was young i was very big so you know i'm 5 6 now so i'm not big but I was 5'3", you know, at seventh grade and was always one of the larger kids in class um, and played in a very select um, inner city football league. And a lot of the kids that, that I played with ended up going Division One, and, and who I was right there with them growing up. And then I stopped growing and they kept growing. And so that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, but then as I hit high school, I knew I was going to be more business oriented. I knew it was going to be something in some form of business. And I knew I was good at sales. So, you know, when you go to Catholic school, they have you selling raffle tickets and candy bars and everything on the planet. And you're going door to door. And so, you know, I knew I was pretty good at that as well. So, so those I thought I was your first go...
1: true sales job. Oh, God. Had. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Selling raffle tickets and candy bars without a doubt. See.
1: So then you made the decision to stay local instead of going off.
0: Uh, you stay local, you go to Xavier. Uh, talk a little bit about the college experience. Um, well, you know, Xavier's a small school. Um, I went there just like a lot of people choose their, their college. Uh, I was in love with some girl. <laughs> and, she, and, and so it was the one school that her and I, you know, could, could, you know, she was my high school sweetheart. And, you know, we could both go together and stay together. And that lasted for a full year. And then, you, you know, typically after your sophomore year, you kind of, man, there's a lot more yeah, people here. This is, here. Yeah, this yeah. is different, right? this Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that, that ended up changing things, but I still love the university. I liked being a big fish in a little pond. Um, I liked being able to, to, you know, to, to make an impact while I was there. You know, it's, you, I can find this on the bio sheet, but you know, I was there, I was, I was president of the marketing club, you know, for two years um, I started a program called the Sweet Sixteen, which was a um, it was a way to sell the the business school students and and put resume packages together so that we could compete. You know, in Cincinnati has a lot of corporations, um, Procter and Gamble, Kenner, those kind of things. And when I was graduating in '92, it was a, one of the recession years, and so we had to compete, and we were always competing with for those type of jobs, even though they were. There were companies headquartered in Cincinnati. They like to hire all these Ivy League schools. And we were like, hey, you know, we're here. We're, we're interning with you. Sure. We're, 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 we're local. And, you know, my marketing book is the same as theirs. And my history book is the same as theirs. And so we put together a whole marketing campaign to take the top. We did a competition for the top 16 resumes. And all the professors in the business school voted on those resumes. And we sent it out as one package. And uh, that was an accomplishment I was proud of. And, and it worked. And so you graduated from Xavier mm-hmm. with a degree in marketing international
1: affairs. Mm-hmm. And as you're graduating uh, at this point, do you have uh, an absolute of here's the next career? Here's what I'm going to do. Obviously, at that point, you kind of knew football was not
0: the yeah, yeah, ultimate, yeah, right? yeah. That was so, not uh, it. I was going to go into 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 marketing one way, shape, or form. Okay. You know, when you go through it and get a marketing degree, the, the way they teach you is is you know, you want to be the the um, the brand manager, you know, you want to be the the one making advertising and, and, you know, they kind of teach you in business school to be a CEO. You know, they don't teach you how to be that entry level, you know, position coming out of, of school. So you think, OK, I'm going to go in there and I get this degree. I'm going to do these things. But the reality is most of the jobs coming out are sales jobs or there's some something like that. So um, I assumed I was going to be in some kind of sales uh, position, but I tried to get into a marketing position. I was, I was very close at, of getting on at Procter and Gamble and I was very close to getting on to Kenner and I was, I went through four interviews to Kenner and I thought I was going to be on the Nerf line. And uh, that was, uh, that's yeah, when they came right. out with, with all the different, you know, it was when I was growing up, Nerf was just a football, you know, right. <laughs> and, and a basketball. And then by the time I, you know, in 92, they had all these other programs. So I was hoping I was going to get that, but you know, it didn't work out that way. So your first gig after college was going to work for P and G, correct? Actually, that was during or college. During college. Okay. Yeah, and and I was on the um, I was on the customer service department. So th- that was the perfect job for college because it was from three thirty to seven thirty in the afternoon, and I was on the eight hundred line for dawn and tide and the deter the laundry detergents and the dishwashing detergents. So you know, I when you would call. You know the the eight hundred number to say, "Hey, my tide's clumpy, I was the guy that would answer the phone, and so what they did, so you were like Jake of State Farm, but you were for Procter and Gamble, right um yes, exactly okay, I guess exactly and and but what that what that really did is it helped me understand customer service they 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 had an extensive training program on customer service, and getting that while I was in college makes you that much better at at, at selling or marketing or whatever, you're going to go into business. It's just having that, how to deal with irate customers, You know how to deal with conflict resolution, You know all that stuff that they teach you um, were skills that I was able to translate.
1: And by the way, in case you're wondering whose voice that is in the story we're listening to, it's that of Mr. Brent Case, who's the president at Colville Banker Commercial Atlantic here in Charleston. And uh, Brent, as we're talking about, you're you know, graduating from Xavier, you go into your, I guess, first real-world job we'll
0: call after college, and that was with AT&T? Yeah, it was ATT NCR. So okay. it was a National Cash Register. It was just bought by AT&T. And what was your role with them? Um, I sold business forms and labels. Okay. So, so walk it was, us through that experience and what that was like. Well, that was kind of cool. You know, it was your first big boy job. Yeah. You know, you had a, I actually kept the card um, because the card, you know, as you're growing up in the 80s and you're. Look, watching Family Ties and you know, Reagan, and you know, you think that hey, that you know, the business world is in yuppies. You think that's success. This so, the end all, right? Right. So if you get a job with a logo, you know, you're you're you've you've attained, you know, success. And so that particular business card. Had um, both logos of AT and T and NCR on the on the business card. That meant you were doubly. Successful, That's right. right. That was my interpretation of it. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm good enough to be with two yeah. Fortune 500 companies, but I sold, um, you know, print and uh, and electronic forms, and that was when they were first converting, you know, your uh, carbon carbon paper into into electronic form. So I sold carbon paper and then I sold some of these uh, new e-forms that they were coming out with. So as your first, um, as you call it, big boy job out of college, um,
1: working for a major fortune hundred company, um, talk about maybe one of the the most valuable lessons that you learned from that experience.
0: Um, well, there, there's, there was good and bad. Um, one, I, I realized what it was like to sell something that was a commodity and, um, You know, it was hard where you're you're dealing with purchasing agents and they're like, you know, hey, Brent, you worked really hard. I love your ideas, but, you know, it's still paper and we're only going to pay so much for paper. And so the other guy beat your bid. Love you. If you get your company to match the bid, I'll buy from you. But if you can't match the bid, I'm going to the cheaper guy, no matter how much I like you. And so that, you know, really kind of taught me the difference of, you know, how to sell value add. Um, and how to, you know, get in an industry that, you know, I was able to compete based on my merit and not just on price. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then how long were you with, uh, NCRATT? Uh, I was with them a year. Okay. Um, and then a headhunter called me and said, Hey, I got this job from Michelin and, you know, that's in South Carolina. And, uh, I, you know, I've been coming to South Carolina. My dad moved down here when I was, um, 13. Gotcha. They're twelve. So I've been coming here and my siblings were all here. So again, I grew up an only child. You know, my my father remarried and I had half brothers and sisters. And so they were here and I would come visit them. So there's something intriguing about getting out of Ohio and coming to South Carolina and Couldn't understand could that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you and every yeah. other Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot of us. That that's for sure. So uh, what when was that you came down to South Carolina? Um ninety three. Okay. Ninety three. So you moved it was it to the upstate? Uh, I would, yeah, I was in the training program at at, at Michelin um, in in Greenville, and uh, I was only there for about three months, and realized that it was not the right type of job for me. And if you don't mind, share share that with us a little bit. Well, you know, I don't I, I don't want to you know say anything negative to a great company like Michelin. Um, they are a great company, but the particular way that they operated their sales organization was. A little bit more top down. So for instance, you know, I was in a training class of 13 and, you know, when we actually went through all the education and went out and started field selling, you know, I sold more than the other 12 students combined, but they were constantly threatening to let me go out of the training program if I didn't fill out my paperwork properly. And I thought, okay, that was, that was pretty short-sighted and just felt like that was not the right organization long-term. And in the meantime, I was in the state. And so my father's like, hey, you know, you need to you need to come work for me. I want you to come down here. And as I started going through the process, I started thinking again, long term, OK, as I was out selling tires, Michelin is the, the the highest value tire. You know, they're the they're the most expensive tire in the market. And they taught us how to sell that value in terms of economics of of the, la- the last long lasting of the tire. And, hey, you're going to buy less tires from us. Therefore, it's going to be equal to the lower cost tire in the long run. Um, but it was still a commodity, and I still found myself in, in a commodity. And um, and my father's like, listen, you know, would you rather understand real estate and finance long-term or tires? And that really made a lot of sense to me. And so this was in 93, 94? Yeah, it right, okay, in so you, uh, came down to Charleston? Yep, September of
1: 93. September of 93, okay. So um, uh, what a, an experience, by the way, to go through— This run of major corporations, two different, extremely different environments, it sounds like, and cultures. Mm -hmm. But now, flip the switch, and at this time, your dad uh, was the principal and and owner of
0: Caldwell Banker. Is that correct? Yeah, and and it was, you know, having worked for three different Fortune 500 companies and seeing that corporate world from the age 20 to 23, um, you know, I realized that I had a lot of good ideas, and in in that kind of culture, and in, and there are plenty of reasons why that works for some people, but for me, I I wanted an environment that I could make change. I wanted an environment where if I had ideas, I could see them come to fruition, and I could feel the the, the satisfaction of something like that happen. And that's much harder to do in a bigger corporation than it is in a smaller one. So. And speak from, you know,
1: certainly your experience, um, you're at that crossroads and you make that move. Obviously, you had a personal relationship with your father that mm-hmm. allowed you to to know you were going into an environment that, that you would be taken care of and that he could teach you the ways. But for our listeners this morning, maybe somebody's listening who's in a corporate situation, corporate environment, and they're thinking about uh, maybe starting their own business and going a completely different direction. Talk about sort of the mental state of going through that Transition.
0: Well, it was not only that, but it was going from, you know, a position that was a paycheck to no paycheck, you know, something that was, uh, you know, 100 percent commission, which I'm sure you can you can appreciate yeah. in your line of work. Um, so, you know, you have to have a lot of confidence. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. If you if you feel that you have a confidence in your own abilities, then I would highly recommend that you make the jump. Gotcha. And so uh, here you are in 93, you came down to Charleston, had not been in real estate before. No, didn't no, know no, I, no, not exactly. So, okay. you know, my dad hadn't been in real estate. Um, he went from the fire department into real estate. And um, when I was at Xavier, you know, he bought a house for me. And he said, hey, you know, why don't I buy a house for you? And you can live on the house and rent it out to your buddies um, and it'll be an investment. And so he, he bought a house in uh, my, during my freshman year but we didn't buy it at the right time. You know, we're both kind of new to student housing. So he bought it in the fall when I was already in freshman year and I didn't have enough people to rent it. So I actually rented it out to, um, my girlfriend and a couple of girls. And, uh, and kept it rented out to, to girls all throughout college and even when I moved down here. So he bought this house for me to live in. I never lived in it. But what I did do is I took the income. You know, I had a, I, there was a profit outside of the mortgage and the operating expenses. And so I was able to take the profit from the rental, from the income, and pay for my own apartment. And so I was into leasing and property management for my freshman year of college. What a great lesson that is, right? Yeah. Good it experience is. to learn how all that works. Yep. So um, so then you're down here. You get to work with uh, Caldwell Banker. Um, well, actually, we were an independent at the time. Okay. So, Coal Banker Commercial is a franchise, and right, we okay. weren't franchised. We did not buy the franchise until nineteen or two thousand three. Gotcha. Or two thousand two, two thousand three. Right in that in that time frame. And so you, we on, were an independent company before um, that,
1: selling commercial real estate. Yeah. And so, um, being this is a show all about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment early on where there were discussions with your father about, hey, one day this is you know, you're going to take this on,
0: or was it? Come try this out. Let's let's earn your stripes and figure it uh, out. Both, later. You okay. know, all of the above. You know, I mean, we were a smaller company and, and you know, my father understood that, you know, when you're into this type of business that you're in, that long, there's an advantage to longevity. So many of the at the time, many of the commercial real estate firms and even the residential real estate firms were family operated businesses that were passed down from generation to generation. And so he understood that and liked the success plan. But I also came from a different background right? So, you know, he had a chemistry degree and went into the fire department and most of his skills were self-taught. You know, I went through a business school and went to work for Corporate America. So I was bringing him a whole new perspective on how to market and I had a marketing degree. And, you know, when you're selling real estate, that's 90% of what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, selling yourself or selling real estate. So, you know, I was able to kind of compliment him pretty well. And so it was always the thought process that, you know we were going to run this like a partnership more than a you know employee employer relationship and so what was the first year like do you i don't know, it's been a while but if you oh, yeah, back I remember and think vividly. about some of the <laughs> the wins and losses of that first year what what was that experience like well i started off in property management so you know he said listen you know and i an intern for him one summer um you know while i was in school i came down for a summer and my job was to work in a, a storage facility, um, you know, roll up doors, that kind of thing. So, um, and when I came down, he said, well, hey, I'm going to, you know, he gave me a few leads and some things to do, but he he gave me some properties to manage. And it was kind of easier for me to cut my teeth and learn about the industry and learn about leases and just learning about the how the industry operates from a property management side. So I kind of started on that and became a leasing agent on some of those properties. And that kind of got my teeth wet. And then from there it was, you know, I needed friends. You know, I didn't know anybody. And so, you know, the only family I had were him and my younger siblings that were much younger than me. So I knew I needed to make some friends. And I would figure the best way to do that was trying to network. And um, so I kind of combined business networking with friendships. So I was looking for people in the business community that were also in their, in their 20s. So, you know, it was a social ap- aspect and business aspect all at the same time. Gotcha. And then things kind of grew from there. And so, unfortunately, in 2007, your your father passed. Yeah,
1: and um, talk a little bit about just you know going through that whole acclimation of growing
0: the business together, and then here you are at a moment where now you take over. Well, that was tough. You know, I mean, I, that you know, easily by far the hardest thing that I've ever experienced. And anytime you lose a parent, it's it's difficult. Um, but we were together. I mean, we were we were real estate, twenty four hours, seven days a week. You know, and. It was it was all we did and talked about uh, outside of sports the things that we had in common. But you know even when you are fishing together, you are still talking, talking about, about the business. The business yeah, yeah. you are talking uh-huh. about company. So, um, y- you know, it-, it was devastating. You know, he died at fifty nine, so he was still very young. Um, and there, uh-huh. was, you know, that was never the plan, and it came fairly sudden. And so, you know, it was it was really bad timing, and it was it was hard because not only that he was the top producer in the company, you know, he was the the main breadwinner of the company, and. Of course, 2007, you know, he dies and we walk into a recession. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> a yeah, real estate so recession, the of, biggest yeah, real estate yeah. recession. in you know, in, in you know, almost 100 years. So, um, you know, that was that was a gut gut checker to to kind of figure that out and, and muster up everything that you learned up until that point in time to, to keep the business up and running. Well, I hate to uh, wind us down and leave our audience on a cliffhanger
1: because this is obviously some great information and, and certainly understand how people make it through times of adversity is what this show is about uh, but we are running out of time so uh, hopefully uh, our audience will get a chance to come back next saturday morning tune the dial to ninety four three, and hear the rest of the story from again mr brent case president at colville banker uh, commercial atlantic brent thanks again for your time this morning and we look forward to having you back, uh, next Saturday. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. And until then, Low Country, we hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 943 WSC. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 730 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.